Welcome to New Covenant Church. You're listening to this week's sermon by Pastor Daryl Finkson. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Timothy, excuse me, 2 Timothy, chapter 3. 2 Timothy, chapter 3. <clears throat> 2 Timothy, chapter 3, verse 13. But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in these things, in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing for whom you have learned them. And that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Christians have traditionally been called people of the book. The average household in America has five Bibles. But the reality may be that it might be more truthful to change that from people who of the book to people who own a book. Because we, in our society today, have grown to take the Bible so for granted. The Scripture. Chris just finished a series on prayer. And uh, I want to do a two-week study here on the Word of God. Specifically talking about... Not only the written word, but the living word. I want you to understand something. It's amazing to me how often we go to everything else but the word. We go to what people say about the word. We go to what others have written about the word. And we will buy books by the hundreds to tell us what the word says. And reality... When we have and we've bought into the delusion that you can't understand the Bible. The reality is, a lot of times, if you'll really be honest, we don't read the Bible, it reads us. When you really get into the scripture to know it, we are, we have an opportunity in America, perhaps like no other nation, to possess not only the book, but to walk in the liberty of that which the Scripture gives us as a people. And that is growing dimmer and dimmer by the day. Because the Bible is an absolutely unique book. It's not one of many. It's one of its own kind. In fact, the word unique means being the one and only of its kind. Unlike anything else. In our day... Skepticism, in our day of skepticism, the Bible is being challenged like everything else. Now people say, well, you just got to have an open mind these days. I love what G.K. Chesterton said. He said the problem with a lot of open minds is they need to be closed for repair. The Bible's one of a kind. And here's the thing that, that especially I want our young people and, and, and to see because we've been, there is just an abundance of books. But I want to show you the Bible. The Bible is a single book, or a single document, a compilation of 66 books. 39 Old Testament books and 27 New Testament books. 
The Bible was written over a 1500 year span. It was written by more than 40 authors moved by the Holy Spirit from every walk of life. Kings, military leaders, peasants, philosophers, fishermen, tax collectors, poets, musicians, physicians, statesmen, scholars, and shepherds. It was written from the wilderness, in a dungeon, on a hillside, in a palace, behind prison walls. While traveling, while in exile on an isle of Patmos, is written during times of war and sacrifice, as well as peace and prosperity. It was written during times of joy, as well as depths of sorrow and despair, during times of certainty and conviction, as well as times of confusion and doubt. It was written on three continents, Asia, Africa, and Europe, over 16 countries from which it was written. It was written in three languages, Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. It's not just a single book, though we have it between two covers. It's 66 books that are absolutely accurate. You say, well, how? that's the question. How can the Bible be accurate? It was first written on perishable materials and had to be copied and recopied for hundreds of years. And in the 1940s, there came a segment of society, of, of religious society, that began to develop what was called higher criticism. And they began to question the authors and the authenticity, and even with the books that were written and all the different things, how the canon came into being, and it was just, and it began to really take a toll on our colleges and our seminaries and our religious education, and people began to really, even the church began to fall away in a lot of ways from the accuracy of Scripture. And in 1947, in Israel, there was a young shepherd boy that was trying to find some sheep and he threw, a, he threw a rock into a cave and he heard something break. And he went up there and they found, they discovered what has now become the Dead Sea Scrolls. And they found hundreds of urns of scrolls that had been preserved by the desert heat. And when Connie and I were in Israel, we, we went to the, the very place where the scribes would do it. We saw the caves that, that they found the Dead Sea Scrolls in. And then we went, and one of the things, there was this one place in Israel that the Museum of the Bible, and it was a 168 feet long scroll of the book of Isaiah that was complete. And here's the thing that they discovered. That book of Isaiah that was three... 3,000, now now the copy wasn't 3,000, but it was from 3,000 years ago. That book was 97% the same words as the book we have today. The only thing that wasn't the same was a few spelling or punctuation points. God had preserved the Word of God in its accuracy to tell of His truth. The scripture is accurate exactly to what God wants to be said. It's, it's been published. It's been translated. Before I get away from the accuracy, there's, there's ten times as much manuscript proof to the accuracy of the scripture as there is to any other document 
of years, like Shakespeare and any other document, there's more manuscript evidence of its accuracy than even Shakespeare and some of those writings. But we don't question those writings. It's an amazing thing. And, and you stop and think about it. We get books. We buy books. In fact, we got a book table out there. You're free to take any books out there. In fact, if you don't take them, we're going to give them away to libraries and different things. Or we're going to uh, even to Goodwill. Okay? Lots of good books out there. It's amazing how many books we read all the time. But how many books do you read that are 3,500 years old that are still speaking today? Think about that. Psalms and Proverbs. Written 3,500 years around that time. And you can't find an emotion that you would experience today that's not found in the book of Psalms. Again, like I said, a lot of times these things, it's not about, it's new every day. It's not about you reading the book sometimes, it's about the book reading you back. You understand that the scripture has been preserved. It's been translated in more than 2,200 languages of the 6,500 known languages of the world. But those 2,200 languages represent 90% of the world's population. No other book in history has been translated, retranslated, and paraphrased more than the Bible. But here's the thing about the Bible. The Bible is a compilation of 66 books over a 1,500-year span. And it's one story. It's one story. It's the story of God and His kingdom. The unity of the Bible finds its center in Jesus Himself. Predicted in the Old Testament, manifested in flesh in the New Testament. He's the center of all biblical revelation. The Bible is God's story to mankind. It reveals God, His character, His plan, His purpose for mankind. It's a supernatural book, faithfully true, and it'll transform your life. And God is the one who's given it to us and has preserved it. And He's the one who initiated the revelation. Folks, listen. Apart from God's own revelation, His Word, we couldn't know Him. There's only two ways you get to know God. I don't care who you are. Two ways you get to know God. Through His own revelation, through His Word, and through prayer. Through a personal relationship. And God has to do it. God has to reveal Himself. Even if you read the book and you study it like you would a history book, you study it to know what it says. Folks, the Bible is like none other because it literally has God's life in it and on it. No one could give us this revelation but God because we're finite, we're limited. We can't get ourselves up to His level to... To question Him or to investigate Him. And then the other side of it is we have the problem of sin. When sin entered the human race, it introduced a blinding effect. The natural man receives not the things of God for their foolishness to him. And yet the scripture that we read this morning, it says all scripture is given by inspiration of God. First of all, the Bible is inspired. The word inspiration literally means God breathed, breathed out, the breath, to blow. The Greek word describes, is used to describe ships whose sails are filled with the wind carried along over the seas. 
Scripture is the product of the Spirit's work. He filled the writer and so carried him along that the words produced were the true and certain words of God Himself. If I could help you understand, the Bible's not just God's Word, it's the words of God. The primary meaning is God breathed, but it could also, this same term could have the expression to mean that it's inbreathed. In other words, it's breathed into. The first definition affirms the Bible's origin, God initiated. The second speaks of God's spiritual presence in the Word. The Word, of the, word the Scripture, has God's life in it. When you read the Bible, God is present. The Holy Spirit is still filling the words with life and truth and purpose and power. And it just continually amazes me of how often, and I've read the Bible through multiple times and, and all that, but it's amazing to me that how often it's so easy to set it aside thinking somebody else has more information. Set it aside thinking that something else has more wisdom. Somebody else's advice. The next point is that the Bible is indispensable. The word here used in a Timothy text is that it's profitable. Profitable. The word translated profitable means useful. It's to your advantage. The Bible is useful for, for shaping and training you to be the kind of person who walks in the blessings and righteous purposes of God. I found two passages that I thought might just whet your appetite a little bit because most of us want to get over our problems. We want to get past our issues. We want some answers. Well, listen to this. Psalm 19:7. it's going to be on your screen. The law of the Lord is perfect, complete, lacking nothing. The law there means Torah. It means the teachings of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony in all of these words are... De- Showing you about the written Word of God. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold. Yeah, right. More to be desired are they than gold. Yea, much than much fine gold, sweeter to sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. Psalms 119. Longest book longest chapter in the Bible about the Bible. Psalms 119, verse 97. Oh, how I love your law, your Torah, your teachings. It is my meditation all the day. You, through your commandments, make me wiser than my enemies. You want to be wiser than your enemies? For they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers. For your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients because I keep your precepts. 
Now, I like the message sometimes because it just gives you another way of looking at it. Here's the message of those same verses, verse 98. Your commands give me an edge over my enemies. They never become obsolete. I've even become smarter than my teachers since I've pondered and absorbed your counsel. I've become wiser than the wise old sages simply by doing what you tell me. You want to edge on your enemies? Be smarter than your teachers? Wiser than the old wise men? It's through God's Word. The Bible is profitable. And it lists four different ways. Profitable in doctrine. Literally, it could be translated teaching. In other words, the Bible tells you what's right. It's profitable in reproof. And that literally means to bring to light. Now, oftentimes we think of rebuke when we think of reproof. But also, it's the enlightenment of it. It brings to light. It's convincing you what's not right. In other words, when you look in the mirror in the light, you see what's wrong with your face. As well as what's right with it. Now, let me ask you, which do you focus on? The whole point I'm trying to say is that the Scripture becomes... A teaching, but it becomes a light. And then it says for correction. It refers to, to setting something straight. It's like setting a broken bone. It's putting it back into place. In other words, not only does the Scripture tell you what's right and what's not right, it tells you how to get right. And then it says instruction in righteousness. This refers to the process of training a child, of apprenticeship. Literally, the Bible is useful for schooling mankind. It shows you how to stay right for the long haul. So basically, Scripture, the Bible's profitable to show you what is right, what's not right, how to get right, and how to stay right. Is there anything else you need to know? You don't just read the Bible. The Bible reads you, and it doesn't just leave you there. It reveals, it corrects, it instructs that you might be complete, capable, thoroughly equipped, fully prepared for everything God has purposed for you in this life and the next. I put something on the screen here. I want you to see the Bible is the standard for testing everything else that claims to be true. It's the safeguard against false teaching. It's the only source to knowing how to be saved. It's the sufficient guide for how we should live. It's God's central way to show you what is true and equip you to live in the fullness that He has purposed for you. The Scripture. What amazes me is how much time I waste on other things when I have the opportunity. Now let me tell you, all of us intend to. Right? I intend to. Here's the other problem is we think because we have read it that we understand it. You know, I've been studying the Scripture for almost 50 years now. 50 years. And it's amazing me how dumb I am. How much I'm beginning to understand and how much more revelation I'm getting now in my old age than I ever was. Here's the thing. Revelation is completely, continually unfolding. He's not adding words to the book. He's just taking the words of the book and opening them up in new ways. And it's amazing to me that we will go to everything else instead of the one thing that is promised to give us life and instruction. To make us capable and complete. 
wonder what it would be like if we really lived by the words of God. Have you ever heard of Hans Nielsen Haug? Anybody ever heard of Hans Nielsen Haug? If you're in the first service, you have. I ran on to him this week. I, I was reading some different things about the scripture and, and his testimony came up. He was from Norway. Norway today. And I looked up Norway because I wanted to check it out. I, you know, Norway today has the highest human development index ranking in the world. Now that highest development ranking, human development ranking, talks about health care, about uh, average wage, uh, about society, about democracy, about just the human deal. And then he, he, he came up with this one too. It, they, it ranks first on the World Happiness Report. It also has one of the lowest crime rates in the world. But here's the thing, that was not always the case. Just 200 years ago, Norway was one of the poorest countries in Europe. They were ruled by their Danish neighbors, and most people were poor fishermen or subsistence farmers. And, and in Europe, any time there was a famine, people starved to death first in Norway. They were that poor and backward. Now that brings Hans Nielsen Haug. I don't know how to pronounce this. I'm not Norwegian. He was born in 1771 and he was raised in a devout Lutheran home. And as a young man, he did much religious reading. His dad, in his testimony, his father raised him right. In other words, they had morning prayer. They had noon prayer. They had evening prayers. They read the scripture together. They read all the different things. They would go every time the, the, the Lutheran church was meeting. They were involved in it. He was raised in that devout. And here's the thing. He came out for being raised in that devout kind of... He was so fearful of being damned. Of being lost forever. One day, April the 5th, 17... Uh, 96, just two days after he turned 25, he was in the field plowing his father's field. And he was singing a hymn. And the power and presence of God came upon him in the field in a way that was so unusual. He didn't know if it was real or a vision. or, And he was so overwhelmed by the love of God and he was given such an assurance of salvation and his relationship with God that it literally transformed his life. He got back, he began to read the Bible with what he called a living faith. He saw that the Bible spoke to all of life, not just religious life. So he just started distributing Bibles in every village and began preaching. Now, preaching without a license was not allowed. And so he was arrested 11 times and jailed. But as soon as he was released, he went back to preaching and teaching the Bible. The Bible was his constant companion. He started over a thousand home Bible studies. Author Lauren Cunningham writes this, As how delved into the Bible, he found the Bible packed with principles for everything humanity faces. 
So he preached that we all, that all we own and all that we are come from God. And the Lord expects us to be good stewards of what he's given us. And have party, he pointed to the, at the possibility and the necessity of being a child of God in all of your walk. And he showed that it was possible to combine the spiritual and the practical in activity. And so how began to start, he'd go into a village and he'd see what the village needed and he would start a business. In four years, he started 30 different businesses in Norway. He said, I loved it. He started, uh, let me find my spot. He started a paper mill. He started a stamping mill, a bone mill, a flour mill, a tannery, and a foundry. He learned how to print books. He wrote wrote 30 books in his lifetime, and he started a publishing business. And as people learned to read, they wanted to read because they wanted to read what he was saying. And they began to read the Bible. And so over the next several decades, the nation rose to prosperity. Throughout his life, now this is what surprised me, how considered himself to be unlearned. His only education was from the primary school. Nevertheless, his knowledge of the Bible and his spiritual insight were worthy of the envy of theologians and other prominent men. During his lifetime, people went from considering themselves a part of a class in the district somewhere in the country to considering themselves as citizens of Norway with the responsibility and the possibility of influencing Norway's future. The influence of the Hagian movement on the Norwegian population contributed to the formation of a national spirit of community which was to become one of the fundamental pillars of the Norwegian independence movement. Time has proven that the opinions which Hogg lived by both his Christian private life and his business ventures were timeless and universal by reading the Bible with a living faith. He changed his whole nation. You know, we often talk about what we've taken the Bible out of schools. We ta- Folks, listen, there's one place they haven't taken the Bible out of. Your home. They haven't taken it out of your hand. They haven't taken it out of within your reach. Within your opportunity. And while we listen to everybody else and what they say about it, we have the opportunity to have the same scripture before us. That has been preserved for 3,500 years. That still works. The scripture is God's word. And it contains, not contains, it is the words of God himself. It has his life on it. Yeah, I know. We have a daily, every one of us intend to have a daily Bible study. We intend to read. We intend to be about the business. If we really saw that it was more valuable than the money, it was more valuable than the job. Now listen, he he didn't say it's more valuable than the job. He said it was a key to doing good business. If we would learn to live by the principles and walk by the power and the presence and literally live in the living faith of the Word, it might change how we live. 
could change our house. It could change our community. It could change our state. It could change our world. You see, none of this is apart from the Spirit of God. It is He who illumines it, causes the Word to come off the page. Well, how do you read the Bible with a living faith? Well, it really fits with the purpose of New Covenant. Here's how you read it with a living faith. Number one, read the Bible to know what it says. What's it say? What's it say? Know it. Know it. Get to know it. The second thing is, so I now know what it says, but what does it mean to me? Hear what God's saying to you. And the third thing is, okay, I know what it says, and I know what now what I have heard what it means to me. What am I going to do about it? What am I going to do with it? I respond. The Scripture says, this is what it means to me. I'm going to do it. That's living, that's reading the Word with living faith. No, here respond you see we want a quick fix right you know i want to be out of debt today but if i learn to live by the principles that's taught in the word i'll be out of debt we want to be all of the things and we we talk about it, we talk about it we talk about it but we won't spend the time in the one place that has promised in itself that it'll make us complete thoroughly furnished able men of God So preacher you want us to read the Bible absolutely But preacher we came here for you to read the Bible to us <laughs> That's Hebrew The Lord has so brought to my attention. We have the key to everything within our reach. And we won't give it our time, our attention, for God to do what He wants to do in our lives. I'll know what's right, I can discern what's not right. I can can discover how to fix it. And I can learn how to stay fixed. All because God gave us a book. Over a period of time that no one could deny. About a story of God and His kingdom. And He's inviting us to participate in it. And let me tell you. Nations will rise and fall. But people of the book. Of the book. Who live by the book. Will last they will not because they're something but because he's someone I invite you I implore you the greatest counsel you can get is what the Holy Spirit gives you from the pages of his book read it to be wise feed on it I remember as a young preacher boy working at a part-time job delivering uh, printing goods in Plainview, Texas. And I always had a Bible with me. 
And every time I would stop and every time I had a break, I was opening the book and I was reading and I was studying. And I'm asking God, God, give me that youthful zeal again to know you through your book. Would you join me? How many Bibles do you have? Well, you have a smartphone. I remember Bobby Connor telling us, yeah, but there's something about reading it with your finger. There's something about, i tell you another thing is, Mary used to do it a lot. She used to scribe. She used to write the Bible out in her own handwriting and what God was saying to her. You want to know it, get into it. Let it get into you. And watch what God does when you respond to it. Today, I'm not asking you to make a promise. I'm just asking you to live up to what you already intend to do. Let His Word speak to you. See what He'll do. Let's pray. Father, we honor You and we bless You. We thank You that You've given us a treasure. A treasure chest. And all we have to do is look for You in it. You'll guide us. You'll equip us. You'll show us. You'll correct us. But you'll heal us. We trust you. We trust you. Give us a hunger and a thirst for your truth. And give us a living faith that sees it fits everything. We praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information or to listen to past sermons, go to newcovenantlampasses.com.